0: I radio and I am your host Chitra Anand and I am broadcasting from the radio station of Gallery of Ideas, broadcasting live from Barcelona, Spain and today is January 6th. On this talk show you will find your own encouragement for your unique journey on holistic health and empowered living. You will also be provided tools and tips not just to survive, this life but thrive in the areas of health, career, family and self-care. So come with your big, bold, empowered life with me on this talk show on GOI Radio. Our topic for today is Empowered Living and we will also integrate principles of holistic health. On today's show, I am excited to offer you the best tips and pointers on how to get started on a highly successful Holistic, healthy and empowering lifestyle. You can also reach us on our Facebook group GOI Radio Polyglot Barcelona. Details of all shows are posted on a regular basis and you can reach me there to comment, ask questions and share your thoughts and views. So, a very, very, very happy healthy, prosperous new year to the audience, to everyone who's tuned in today or listening on the podcast. Wishing you all a very great, awesome new year. Now, many people I know are not a huge fan of new year resolutions and it does not matter. What really matters is our day-to-day attitude. This is what I strongly believe and I also follow Just being consistent with how positive we are from one day to the next and even sometimes from one moment to the next or one hour to the next and how high we try and hold our vibrations as best as possible and how much I stay in the state of gratitude makes a difference for me personally. while sometimes during the day it does not always hold as high as i would like it to the state of being in gratitude or uh, the state of being in a higher vibration i notice that i fluctuate throughout the 24 hours as much as i would like to say i am this perfect Human who can constantly be in that high vibration state. I am not there yet. I do fluctuate in the course of a day. I have managed at least to start off on a very positive note within my head that is. I will um, think all the things I can be grateful for. I am grateful for. And then I go through the day. And during the day I notice how many times I go off track. And that is a behavior that I have started to uh, truly observe in the past few months. Because I strongly feel that impacts where I am headed. The frequency at which I go off track. Now somebody says something, I read something, I think of something. Most often the thought that does lead me astray is I think of something. And then before I know it, I am caught up in... um, some negativity and then I spiral down which I have already uh, stated many times before on the talk show. So I do try and best to be watchful of all these um, emotions, the thoughts, the thinking and of course the interaction and the words. So to me, it helps a lot to just stay focused as best as I can and to bring myself back on track when I do notice that I am falling off track. So it helps me a lot. So one of the uh, leaders that I follow on Facebook, is who is named Matt Kahn, he says that when you say thank you to anything, you assume it is a gift. And when you assume it is a gift, only gifts can be revealed. Thank you is the end of lashing out, the disappearance of turning away and the death of shutting down. It is the emergence of your highest vibration in form that transforms reality from the inside out, one blessing of gratitude at a time. Nothing inherently causes suffering unless it is something you refuse to thank. And this I find applies a lot to thoughts. Because thoughts just pop into my head, uh, this is just my observation and it pops and then I associate, sometimes I associate some feelings to it or sometimes it carries some emotion, some leftover baggage so to speak. And then before I know it, if I do not, if I am not on guard or do not catch it right away, it just spirals down for me. So nothing inherently causes suffering. Unless it is something you refuse to thank. So, being thankful is a break from deciding what you like or dislike. To me, that is a very powerful statement because for many years I lived in a state of like and dislike. I would decide in my head I like and decide in my head I dislike. And these were patterns that I formed, uh, whether it be a person, a thing, a thought, an emotion a picture anything i would inherently within um, due to my so many unconscious uh, patterns and behaviors i would inherent i would just immediately do that as soon as i uh, either think of something or i see a person or i had that habit and it took me many years of observing that i had that in my head and a pattern that I had developed over years and established um, in with, with it that I realized that I wanted to break from it. Uh, I don't know why I realized I wanted to break. I think one of the main reasons is uh, in me, I knew that I wanted to be more inclusive rather than be exclusive so when i used to think i dislike this person or i dislike this place or i dislike um that memory or i dislike the thought and you know i i can just go on that's how many i had in my head i i could see that i was uh, following a pattern of exclusion and trust me for me personally it was very very tough to break that because I had entrenched within myself. So, it was a journey, so to say, uh, over the years to try and um, break those patterns that were deeply embedded in me and try and be more embracing of the now. Uh, More embracing of what was happening in the now, what the now brought about and be more accepting. Um, And so, I I really did it because I wanted to learn a path of being more inclusive. I still practice it even today. It's not that I'm perfect and not that I mastered anything. But for me, it has been a journey. So there is no one spot where I can say, yeah, I got it and I reached something. No, it's just that it's an ongoing journey. So whether something seems pleasing or punishing, thank you acknowledges any circumstance as an environment where your most profound expansion occurs, simply by living out the moments that come. This doesn't make it okay to be hurt, rejected, judged or betrayed or any other form of abuse. But while moving yourself into safer and more stable situations, an awakening soul remembers to say thank you for each of the encounters that are created to inspire its most immaculate evolution. I have said this many times before, but one of the reasons I use social media so much and I stay very active on every type of social media is because it has brought to me the wisdom from all over the world in the form of people who were already very well established in spiritual paths. And I just have no judgment about it. When I really hear some words that resonate with me, I am so happy that to hear it. And one of the things that I am able to benefit from is the frequency at which I'm able to hear it. Because left to me, I do have a habit and a tendency to forget. And even though I do want to stay in this high, higher vibration state and I do want to acknowledge gratitude and I love doing it, but I do tend to forget it. And so this repeated reminders that come through for me via social media because pretty much everybody is there on social media and those reminders really help me to stay focused, stay in the moment, stay in the now and experience the gratitude and joy in the now. So, I guess it all boils down how we want to use social media, right? It it can serve as a wonderful tool of inclusion and as a reminder to remind where we are in the now so i for one i'm making a making the most out of it mo- making the most out of the advancement in technology today while this may seem counterintuitive to the mind it is an eternal truth that resides in the depths of your soul whether the heart still hides or the mind wishes to disagree and debate Each are equally unique aspects of your eternal being that are here to be embraced, honored, adored and appreciated just as they are. If you thank your mind, it will relax. If you thank your heart, it will open. If you thank your past, it will integrate. If you thank your symptoms, they will heal. If you thank your shadow, it will vanish. If you thank life, it will transform. If you thank yourself, the light will dawn. These are words that I'm quoting from Matt Kahn. He is really very popular in Facebook and maybe other um, social media as well. And it is always nice to reinforce these truths during the course of the day, during the course of our life and to be more centered and present in awareness and in the moment to truly integrate all these great truths. In my recipe section today, I want to share a recipe for Fudgy Sugar-Free Pumpkin Brownies. I am always in the search for anything sugar-free which I strongly believe every one of us have to adapt as best as we can. And also try and integrate vegetables into the dessert dishes because it gives us more flavor, more substance and it is definitely very tasty. So for this fudgy sugar-free pumpkin brownie, the ingredients are 250 grams of pumpkin puree, that is around 1 cup, 100 grams of almond flour, that is around 1 cup, 2 large eggs, or you can skip that step if you are vegan. And I used aquafaba, that is the residue from cooking chickpeas. If you buy a chickpea can, uh, at the bottom of it you will find that white, somewhat thick substance which is called aquafaba. And it works great on dessert recipes for a vegan option. Then uh, 60 gram of sweetener of your choice, 45 gram of cacao powder unsweetened, 50 gram of melted butter, 1 teaspoon of baking powder, and 1 teaspoon of mixed spice. And I have used pumpkin spice here. So the instructions are preheat the oven to 350 degree Fahrenheit. Combine all dry ingredients in a bowl. Add all wet ingredients and mix it with a blender or fork. Line a baking uh, tray with baking paper and fill in the mixture. Bake for 25 to 30 minutes or until the knife comes out clean. If desired, melt two squares of dark sugar-free chocolate and drizzle over the brownies. These brownies come out so healthy and really very, very yummy. No one would know that you did it with pumpkin. So some of the tips are you can make a batch of ground almonds into almond flour and then you can use it with, you know, store it in the fridge and use it whenever you need. Uh, If you prefer a more cake-like texture for your pumpkin brownies, add an extra 25 gram or quarter cup of almond flour. If you do not have mixed spice or pumpkin spice on hand, you can substitute with cinnamon, a pinch of ginger, cloves and allspice if you have it. I use cocoa as opposed to cocoa powder in this recipe. What is the difference? Cocoa is less processed, while cocoa is roasted and has a stronger taste. If you use unsweetened cocoa, you might want to reduce the amount and take things from there. Start with one third cup and see if your mixture is chocolatey enough. So this is a really yummy and Uh, very nutritious and really very, very healthy uh, brownie. So, uh, even the kids and adults would enjoy it. And for the most part, nobody will find out that you have used pumpkin puree. Okay, so back to some words of wisdom from a person called Dandapani. And again, I follow him on Facebook. He is building an ashram in Costa Rica and he shares pictures of it and he also shares how he achieves all this uh, by focusing the mind. He says first to learn how the mind works and then learn how to focus and then you will be able to see the desired results. So, this is a quote from him today. Be wisely discriminating of who and what you are investing your energy in. If you give 10% of your energy away to someone or something that doesn't deserve it, that is 10% you could have invested into the people and things that truly matter to you. I don't know if you all already know this great wisdom. Maybe most of you are so smart, you already know it. But I actually found it the hard way because I did invest energy everywhere around me. I never discriminated. I had this habit of going out of my way to help. Uh, There is nothing wrong with it, but that was my nature. And so I never knew how to discriminate. And I used to invest all of my energy in a lot of things and a lot of people. And as you can believe, it does not always serve your purpose. So I had to really learn this truth the hard way. But if you are very focused on your goal or focus something in your life and you have a single track Of an aim or a goal or a desire to be in a place or achievement of any kind, this would really help you go a long way because investing your energy in what matters to you is probably the best form of it, right? It makes complete sense. So if you give a part of your energy to someone or something that does not deserve it then that is something that you could have invested on people and things that truly matter to you. So this is maybe like a thought for the day where you can think about it and try to reflect on it and see how it works for you. How it's going to alter your thoughts or your energy movement or your focus on your energy. I am not saying this is, um, this is right or this is how it should be, it's just a thought. So you can think about it. In my story segment today, this story is called Race, This Race Called Life, a beautiful and inspirational short story. Once upon a time there was a young athletic boy hungry for success for whom winning was everything and success was measured just by winning. One day the boy was preparing himself for a running competition in a small village himself and two other young boys to compete. A large crowd had gathered to witness the sporting spectacle and a wise old man, upon hearing of the little boy, had travelled far to bear witness also. The race commenced, looking like a level heat. But sure enough, the boy dug deep and called on his determination, strength and power He took the winning line and was first. The crowd was ecstatic and cheered and waved at the boy. The wise man remained still and calm, expressing no sentiment. The little boy, however, felt proud and important. A second race was called and two new young fit challengers came forward to run with the little boy. The race started and sure enough, the little boy came through and finished first once again. The crowd was ecstatic again and cheered and waved at the boy. The wise man remained still and calm again expressing no sentiment. The little boy, however, felt proud and important. Another race, another race pleaded the little boy. The wise old man stepped forward and presented the little boy with two new challenges: an elderly frail lady and a blind man. What is this? quizzed the little boy. This is no race, he exclaimed. Race, said the wise man. The race was started and the boy was the only finisher. The other two challenges left standing at the starting lane. The little boy was ecstatic, he raised his arms in delight. The crowd, however, were silent, showing no sentiment toward the little boy. What has happened? exclaimed the boy. He asked the wise old man, why are not the people joining in my success? Race again, replied the wise man. This time, finish together, all three of you. Finish together, continued the wise man. The little boy thought a little, stood in the middle of the blind man and the frail old lady and then took the two challenges by the hand. The race began and the little boy walked slowly, ever so slowly to the finishing line and crossed it. The crowd was ecstatic and cheered and waved at the boy. The wise man smiled, gently nodding his head. The little boy felt proud and important. Old man, I understand not, said he. Who are the crowd cheering for? Which one of us three, asked the little boy. The wise old man looked into the little boy's eyes. Placing his hands on the boy's shoulders, he replied softly, Little boy, for this race, you have won much more than in any race you have ever ran before. And for this race, the crowd cheered, not for any winner. You see, in life, in your life, what are you running for? Are you hungry for success? Is winning the only measurement for you in your life? Who are you running against? And if you always win against anybody, then the people will stop cheering for you. At the end of your life, if you look back, the question is, who was running next to you in that race? If you were weaker, if they were weaker or old, did you help them to get across the line? Did you all finish together? Because that is the best race you can ever run. So run. Run this race called life. But don't forget, it is not important if you win. It is important how you run this race. You know, I am such a big fan of these uh, stories. Uh, which hold a moral inside of them. You know, the moral is kind of embedded and you really have to listen to the story uh, to get it. Uh, That is because I grew up reading these fables, as they were called. I used to have a lot of those books and I also used to have uh, small small story books, you know, uh, by Hans Christian Andersen, so many people. And... uh, a lot of books, uh, comics. I should say. Oh, I'm a huge fan of comics. I love comics. I even love it today. I, if, if I, you know, whenever I get a chance, I still sit and read comics. I love them so much. But growing up, I would just I was a, you know, voracious reader. I would, I would read any, any, um, book. Uh, Mostly, I have read uh, from an author called Enid Blyton and a lot and lot of comics and a lot of fables. So, I find that the truth uh, is so easily said in in the story, in the form of a story, right? Because uh, when we take our life, it does not matter if we are running a race or anything. Actually, people uh, handle their own life as a race. That is, every day they take it as a race. Uh, They get up in the morning and if they have some work to get done, then it becomes a race in their head. I am saying for the most part. I have seen people do this. Uh, It's somehow like I need to get all these things ready and I need to get all those things done so either they are racing with themselves or they are racing with some other member of the household but in many forms it is a race they do not call it living when you really start to live this is just my experience and uh, you know from my point of view but when you really start to live you become very mindful uh, one of the things that i notice that i do with my husband is that i become very mindful i become i attentive and pay a lot of attention to his points of view to his thoughts and his uh, way of thinking and uh, his opinions and i always i have said this one time before i am i have been in the past months training myself to focus And I use that as an example. He uh, does talk a lot. So it helps me when I listen to him. I train my mind to just listen on that. You know, whatever be the topic that he talks about. Earlier, I used to dismiss if, if, for instance, if he talked about cricket, I am not a huge fan of it. So I would either dismiss it or not pay attention or, you know, do something like that. But now I don't do that. I pay complete attention. I just totally, totally tune myself in and I listen to those. And that really, I have noticed it helps both ways. It helps the person who is talking because they have an attentive audience. It helps the person who is listening because you are becoming, you are bringing more awareness into that act. And you are training your mind to focus at the same time. And you are also being more present. For me, this is how it is, being more present. So when you do all this, uh, a byproduct of it is you tune tune yourself into the uh, desires of the person you are listening to. Uh, Sometimes it's like the story, it is kind of hidden. Uh, They might not outright say what it is that they want to say, but it will definitely be hidden inside of it. Uh, That's just my experience. So you can also practice that when your spouse or uh, somebody close to you or a friend or neighbor, uh, anyone you choose and you train yourself, focus your mind to listen and then you can catch on all the underlying things that goes beneath it because sometimes people are angry or they are frustrated or they are sad or they are depressed. So many emotions happen through all of us throughout the day and when somebody lends an ear, it just comes out more. You know, whatever is the feeling, whatever is the underlying feeling. So, in, in this particular story, uh, the even though this uh, small boy was so ecstatic about winning the race, uh, it made a difference when he tried and won the race with the other two participants one who was blind and one who was very frail old lady. So, even just as a conjecture, as just thinking about it, whether it be real or not, it takes a lot of amount of um, striving and effort for that boy to have slowed down, to accommodate the other two. And that is what I find really happens because if you as a person have moved on to a higher level of consciousness and you are striving for higher levels of dimension of consciousness but the person or persons around you are not inclined to move along with you then you notice a disparity and at that time when you slow down it's not just because you are slowing for yourself but you are slowing for the other person whom you care about they might or might not know it And for the most part, they do not know it because they are ignorant of it. So just try and trace examples and see what you do for that. What you do for that person. Uh, Then again, you have to bring in those thoughts of I like and I don't like. Would you just do that for somebody you liked, only for somebody you liked? That's a question you need to ask for yourself. Because our minds and we tend to do things what we like to do for people whom we like. And again, those are the patterns that are already established within ourselves, whom we like. So, bringing yourself to do something for whom you dislike, that takes a lot of effort and a lot of struggle and definitely a lot of energy. But when you do that, that what reaches out is the compassion that is reaching out. And really, honestly speaking from my experience, I can tell, there are really no likes or dislikes. It's just a facet of the mind. For me, that's how it was and that is how it is. And from my experience, that is what I have learnt. But in the initial stages when our mind is so stuck on all of these concepts that it produced, through habitual patterns and all the garbage that it stores away within its nooks and corners. So you catch the drift when you are able to practice these small, small things in your daily life. You catch yourself. You catch yourself observing. And you bring awareness into that act which is what changes the quality of consciousness at that time. So these are all pointers which which once we start to do reflecting, reflecting on our life, reflecting on our thoughts, sitting by ourselves, and reflecting on all of this, then these pointers will add up because you have to practice the pointers. It's not just talk. It's not that somebody talks something and I hear and then I forget about it. If you want to empower yourself, then you will have to practice all this as well, as best as you can. A very important part in our daily lives is how to make decisions and making the best possible choices. Some of our decisions are so routine that we make them without giving them much thought but difficult or challenging decisions demand more consideration. These are the sort of decisions that involve uncertainty. Many of the facts may not be known. Complexity, there can be many interrelated factors to consider. High risk consequences, the impact of the decision may be significant. Alternatives, there may be various alternatives and interpersonal issues. You need to predict how different people will react. When you're making a decision that involves complex issues like this, you also need to engage your problem solving as well as decision making skills. It pays to use an effective, robust process in these circumstances to improve the quality of your decision and to achieve consistently good results. A systematic approach for making decisions A logical and ordered process can help you do this by making sure that you address all of the critical elements needed for a successful outcome. Working through this process systematically will reduce the likelihood of overlooking important factors. A seven-step approach takes this into account. First, create a constructive environment, then investigate the situation in detail, Generate good alternatives, explore your options, then select the best solution, then evaluate your plan, then communicate your decision and take action. Creating a constructive environment because decisions can become complex when they involve or affect other people. So it helps to create a constructive environment in which to explore the situation and weigh up your options. Before you can begin making a decision, you need to make sure you fully understand your situation. It may be that your objective can be approached in isolation, but it's more likely that there are a number of interrelated factors to consider. Once you've uncovered your root cause, define the problem and extract the greatest amount of information from what you know, which is also inductive reasoning. And then draw sound conclusions from those facts, which are also problem definition processes. The wider the options you explore, the better your financial decision is likely to be. Sorry, final decision is likely to be. Generating a number of different options may seem to make your decision more complicated at first, but the act of coming up with alternative forces you to dig deeper and look at the problem from different angles. This is why it can be helpful to employ a variety of creative thinking techniques. These can help you to step outside your normal patterns of thinking and come up with some truly innovative solutions. Don't forget to consider how people outside the group might influence or be affected by your decision. When you are satisfied that you have a good selection of realistic alternatives, it is time to evaluate the feasibility risks and implications of each one. Once you have evaluated the alternatives, the next step is to make your decision. If one particular alternative is clearly better than the rest, your choice will be obvious. However, if you still have several competing options, there are plenty of tools which you can help to decide like the decision matrix analysis or paired comparison analysis and group decisions as well. If your decision is being made within a group, there are plenty of excellent tools. With all the effort and hard work, you have already invested in evaluating and selecting alternatives. It can be tempting to forge ahead at this stage, but Now more than ever is the time to sense check your decision. After all, hindsight is great for identifying why things have gone wrong, but it is far better to prevent mistakes from happening in the first place. Before you start to implement your decision, take a long dispassionate look at it to be sure that you have been thorough and that common errors haven't crept into the process. Your final decision only is as good as the facts and research you have made. Discuss your preliminary conclusions with important stakeholders to enable them to spot flaws, make recommendations and support your conclusions. Listen to your own intuition too and quietly and methodically test assumptions and decisions against your own experience. Once you have made your decision, you need to communicate it to everyone affected by it in an engaging and inspiring way. Get them involved in implementing the solution by discussing how and why you have arrived at your decision. The more information you provide about risks and projected benefits, the more likely people will be able to support your decision. If people point out a flaw in your process as a result, have the humility to welcome their input and review your plans appropriately. It is so much better to do this now cheaply than having to do it expensively and embarrassingly if your plans have failed. While these may all sound Uh, like a huge decision-making process in a huge um, multi-million dollar company or a fortune 500 company and so on. Actually, all these can be done in family situations and which is what my family has done throughout the course of my family life. We do not arbitrarily take decisions by ourselves. Every small, right from the smallest of the decision to the largest My husband consults with me, and not that I know everything, but I always feel two heads are better than one. And from a very, very early age, we consulted our son as well. So, it it is almost like a second habit to us. We ask each other, you know, what should we do, and how to do it, when to do it, and why to do it. And these are from as simple as something that might cost $1.00 thousands of dollars is just a habit in our family and I don't know how or why it formed or when it formed it just happened that way. I also uh, for even the smallest of uh, reasons I consult with my family with here I mean by family my husband and my son and I always take in the input but I always make the final decision that's a habit that I have. I would consult whomever I think needs to be consulted and then I would evaluate everything on my head and then I would make the decision. But these are very good habits to inculcate with small children because they also get into the habit and the pattern of consulting with others and forming uniform decisions. But for women, I feel that this is very crucial in their lives. Many women I know Uh, They completely rely on uh, either their spouse, their husbands or their extended family like a father or brother or someone. And they allow themselves to be easily influenced by these people. Well, there is nothing wrong in being influenced by others. I feel women, especially after a certain age, um, maybe 40 plus or so, have to empower themselves to make their own decisions. And especially if you are a professional woman, you really have it in you to make your decision. Again, there is nothing wrong in consulting others. I do it all the time. But the final decision has to rest within your hands. It cannot rest in somebody else's hand. This is just my personal opinion and my thought process in this. Because I feel we become very empowered when we make our own decisions, however small the decision is and however large the decision is. And I am only talking about personal decisions. If it is a family decision, like involving the husband and wife, and children maybe, at a, at a stage where it might just involve the husband and wife, like the husband and wife are leading a retired life, So, decision they make at that point only involves them, but will have some consequences on their adult children whom they can inform at a later date. But making the decision revolves around the couple. Likewise, there are many, many, many decisions that revolve around the single person, whether it be the husband or the wife. So, at these times, I find women just completely relying and allowing somebody else to influence their decisions when they themselves are very capable. And why are they hesitating to make the decision? So what if it is a wrong decision? Just think about it. If it is something that you can afford for it to be wrong, like a small decision. I, take, um, ex, um, I employ a personal trainer. I, I did in the past, one, just one time. I already knew everything um, as far as those exercises. I already knew what to do. But I did employ one thinking that that person would be far equipped and f- had much better knowledge than I did to help me with an exercise plan. However, it did not work well because uh, the person did not um, was not completely knowledgeable about the subject. And did not care enough to invest his time and energy. So it just fell through. But I did spend a small amount of money to go through it. So at that time, my husband did suggest to me, yes, you know so much about exercise and stuff. Do you really need to employ one? And I felt I needed to employ one and I went went ahead. And when I made the mistake, my husband was the first to know because I shared it with him and told him, it didn't, did not work for these reasons. Though my husband did not say anything, for me, it was okay. So if, if I had made a mistake, that was it, it was okay. The, the thing about it is we always learn from our mistakes. Not only can I learn from my own mistake, I can also learn from mistakes other people make. I watch how some women uh, totally rely or be swayed by the opinions of their husbands. Or extended family and are at a loss to make decisions on their own and these are women who have had professional lives. So why are they hesitating? So what if something goes wrong? Why cannot they own up for their own decision? But by getting into those kind of spots, they are giving away their powers to others. They are not empowering themselves when the chance presented itself, when a situation presented itself, when circumstances dictated itself. So, empowerment to me, in my own opinion, does not just fall from the sky, does not just happen overnight. It happens every single day, every single moment when you take empowering decisions. While you can consult your near and dear ones about the decisions you take, finally it has to rest in your own hands. It's just common sense to me. And if you are leading a professional life, all the more you need to get more empowered in the decisions you take. I have a maid, a cleaning maid who helps me. And though she has a lot of financial troubles, I'm always amazed at the empowerment she owns. That is what empowerment is all about. It is owning it. It's not some skill that just you go to a class or an educational institute and learn. It is something that you own. It is there for you to take, especially for women. That's why I have my two women's group because I really want to see women more empowered and it is definitely possible, absolutely possible and absolutely can happen provided you make use of the opportunities, situations, circumstances, everything that presents itself to you. If you feel scared or reluctant or anxious to plunge in and take decisions on your own, you can start with small things that do not affect in a big way, like going to the grocery store and buying what you think your family needs. Buying to, going to a departmental store and buying clothes that you think will serve the purpose. This might appear small and redundant and insignificant, but they are building up that muscle called empowerment, where you then feel bold to take much bigger decisions. But I still honestly feel that the decision, whether you be a man or you be a woman or you be a child, has to rest with you. But children under the age of 18 definitely need to proceed with caution from parents. There's no doubt about it. Parents do have the final say. But when you cross, when children cross 18, yes, they need to be empowered to make decisions. When my son was growing up in high school, he had the option to choose the subjects that he wanted to study. And though I did not think those were the right subjects to choose, my husband and I allowed him the liberty to make the choice. We were of course consulted, we were aware of what was going on but we gave him the freedom to choose what he felt that he wanted to study at that point of time. In my head I really thought that was a complete uh, mistake and uh, you know to go ahead in life really you're not going to make it but I just kept it to myself. my husband and I consulted with each other and felt that we needed to empower our son for him to make decisions for his own life. So in a very protective, careful, very good environment, we allowed him to make decisions. And there were a couple of uh, subjects that he chose which did not serve the purpose. So what if you make a small mistake in a school, within the school environment, but the benefit that he got from those was so much more powerful than even words can describe because he became completely empowered. Even today he asks us before he makes any decision. Honestly today we really do not know what decisions are going on because we are totally lost by you know what's happening with technology and everything is going up so fast. But. To his credit, my son asks us and consults with us before making a decision, but my point is he knows that he has to make the final call. That's why empowerment is so important, whether it be a child, whether it be a man, whether it be a woman. But women, especially above the age of 40, and if you are financially independent, really I don't think there is any excuse for not taking your own decisions. That's just me and that's just my personal opinion. But this is food for thought for those of you who are listening and who know somebody you can identify in your personal life that you can observe and make changes to your patterns if you are so inclined. In my book section, I want to talk about the happiness advantage This book comes with a core message about happiness and success. It is not that success brings happiness as much as it is the other way around. Happiness brings success. Author Sean Eckhart guides you through seven principles in positive psychology that lead not only to happiness but also to the life you want. It's a huge perspective switch to the common idea that we can be happy when we are successful. Success will not bring happiness after all. Become happy and success will follow. Constantly scanning the world for the negative comes with a great cost. It undercuts our creativity raises our stress levels and lowers our motivation and ability to accomplish goals, says the author. The key teachings from this book would be, we reach success because we are happy and not the other way around. Happiness is not just a mood. It is a work ethic. The author explains how a negative outlook on the world affects everything you do. And by changing that to the positive, it brings positivity into everything you do. It is hard to find success when you are still bringing in the negative. If we make it easy to do the right things and hard to do the wrong thing, success gets easier. Small, manageable chunks of improvement are best. A negative outlook is a habit and habits can be broken. In my life, I see so many people around me with an absolute negative attitude with them. A negative attitude at the way they look at life, at the way small things happen, at, in their words. They are pretty much seeped in negativity. Mm-hmm. While it is very difficult to pinpoint it to them and you know, make any correction, even though we would wish to show them the other side, Most people I know resist change. They are so comfortable in their attitude of negativity and the habitual pattern of negativity that they do not want to change to anything positive. They might be well aware that it would serve them best to have a positive attitude and to try to bring more happiness and joy into their lives. But they have made this a habit and they are so comfortable and in their comfort zone with their habits that they certainly do not want to change, and just by coercing someone to change that never works either. So one of the advantages that we have in today's world, through technology, we can read a book anywhere. We can read an audio book. We can read a book through Kindle. We can also read a book like a paperback book. So the and definitely borrow from the library. And there are many good sources to borrow online as well, which I very periodically do. So you really don't have to invest a whole lot of money while expanding your knowledge base. And by reading more books, you are definitely not just picking up on knowledge, the current trends, current technology, what's happening, but so much more that we learn. Instead of being like inside a small nut or something, we just realize that life is one big ocean. There is so much out there and we have the liberty to pick and choose. Once you are already geared up on the happiness or joy path and being positive about everything, your outlook, your choices, your daily life, And you keep yourself in a vibrant and high state of frequency. You are going to tend to to choose that which will resonate with you. That which will resonate with you to bring more joy and happiness and peace. And to show you that there is really so much more that you can invest your energy in. Be more discriminating about it. Invest in your own self the energy that you want your life to shape up, your thoughts to shape up, your emotions to shape up and the life that you want to see manifested. As always, thanks for joining me this evening. I have a great time talking to you. Have a pleasant rest of the day. Till next week. Bye.